The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Golfie with Remax, the Golfie team. Welcome to the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition with host Rick Zamprin. And you're listening to another fantastic edition of the Golfie Real Estate Show here on 900 CHML. We have an armada of topics we're going to get to today, including uh, private lending, getting a survey on your property, what happens to a deposit when a deal goes down the drain, this fall's real estate market, a whole host of topics that we're going to chew on today. Don't forget forget for the hottest listings in town in this ever-changing real estate market you got to go online to robgolfi.com that's rob g o l f i.com if you want to add your listing to that list call hamilton and burlington's number 1 remax team in volume and unit sales 905-575-7700 they're all over social media follow the golfi team on tiktok instagram facebook and twitter rob good morning once again what's happening in your real estate life these days well, you know, changes, life is happening. Uh, I just want to mention that uh, my dad uh, passed away uh, this week and uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it, it was, uh, it, it's, this is the first close, I guess, immediate death it, it, besides my brother-in-law that passed away, my sister's husband, uh, a year and a half ago. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a, uh, different uh I'll, I'll tell you right he was 88 years old so he lived a good life yeah. um and um you know the hardest part to see uh him kind of go frail is uh especially in the past year you know he was you know going around putting around with and then you know in the last six months he had to have a cane and then um but just seeing him go frail and, and weak uh especially in the last month and you 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 you're used to seeing this strong mm-hmm. you know powerful person and 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 then the, I, my hardest time was seeing him going frail that way yeah. i it was a hard like if if i could have stopped time saying hey listen i don't want to see him that way i want to i'd rather end it being him being looking you know you know decent but he he, he did uh uh you know deteriorate quickly like mm-hmm. um and uh, and I and I realized that even at uh, when he was about about twelve fifteen years ago, I started uh, saying, you know what, the kids are growing up. I'm gonna make and I, I spent so much time with the kids with their sports and everything. I couldn't see my parents that much because every evening and every weekend was taken up with sports, hockey, baseball, soccer, right. you name it, the sports. Especially having four kids, so I made the effort to start going to see my uh, parents for breakfast every Sunday morning, and I've been doing that for the last. 12, 15 years. Hmm. And you know what the greatest thing, and I'm glad I did that. I'm so glad because I'll tell you, I learned so much and had so many discussions with my dad, the old country, him growing up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd been to this little village and just talking about, you know, how he came to Canada, what he, you know, what he did here and everything else like that. And, uh, it was, you know what, it, 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 it I'll have a lot, I'll have a lot of memories sitting down. And I took one last picture on the uh, 21st of August. And I said to my parents and I had a feeling something, it was, things were going, you know, a little 
tougher for my dad. And I said to my mom and dad, and I told my sister, she came stop by and I said, Hey, listen, I want you to take a picture of the three of us, me coming here for breakfast all the time. Hmm. And that was on the 21st of August. And he passed away on the 30th, just, uh, of, of August. And that was the last, uh, last picture. And, uh, I just, uh, I'm glad I got that uh, for some reason. Uh, uh, I just knew I had to take a picture and, and I, and I'm glad I got that. And the one thing I'll tell you something, the one thing about my dad is that he always encouraged me, never discouraged me of anything. So my mom would always be worried and say, Hey, you be careful. Don't, you know, don't get, you know, like, you know, when I was buying real estate and when I was young in my early twenties and stuff like that, you know, she goes, Oh, you're going to be in debt. You're going to be in debt. My dad would always say, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So I'll never forget the only one time he says to me, goes, I take him to these two semis that I bought for $90,000 on Pearl street North in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it was, it was already gutted. So the previous guy, I guess, ran out of money, couldn't finish it. So I buy it and say, you know, I think I can do this. This is a good investment, right? I, I'm, I can finish this. I'm like, like I said, I'm 20, 21 years old. And so I take my dad to it. And this is the first time he's ever said this. He goes, are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> are you sure you know what you're doing? And I'm like, when he said that to me, I got, I'm like, He's never said that to me. That's like something, you know, when you just don't hear and then all of a sudden he says that to me and he was right. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, this is a big renovation job. And I, so anyway, I, I sold it right after that quickly Hmm. and I sold it for $95,000. So I think I lost maybe two or $3,000 with commissions and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, uh, I got out of that one real quick and that was in the, uh, uh, late eighties. Um, and so, I mean, if, if I hit the nineties, I'd be in big trouble with that one, but otherwise, uh, yeah. So it was, uh, it's, uh, it was, it's, it was sad to see my dad go, but, it, but it was also kind of a relief to right. not see him in pain. He never complained. Hmm. He goes to the doctor, goes to see the doctor. My mom was seeing that he's kind of not, you know, feeling right and this and that. So he takes him to the doctor. The doctor says, um, he's, uh, he's full of cancer. His heart's hardly working. He wow. goes, we got to take him to emergency. And then they said he's going to pass away within 24 hours. Wow. So we were all there at the hospital. So anyway, uh, just a little story on that. And uh, that's just life and uh, the cycle of life that we all have to go through at one time or another. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm here to, you know, to bring uh, now I'm the, uh, the head of the, of the golfie. I got my kids and my grandkids. And so now... It's on and upward. That's it. So sorry to bring everybody down on that. And I just thought I'd just uh, share that little piece. No, we uh, really, my, we uh, really dad. appreciate that uh, that sharing. And uh, we offer our condolences to you and the and the golfy family and the golfy team. As we know that losing a parent is never easy. What was your dad's name, and what did he do for a living? He's he, he was his name was Jack, and they, well, his real name was Giacomo, but his name was Jack, and uh, he uh, he worked at General Motors. He uh, thirty oh, years wow. retired. He retired at fifty eight, and he passed away at eighty eight. So he actually had a good thirty years of retirement, which nice. he enjoyed. He loved the the garden in the backyard. He lived for the garden in the backyard, and uh, uh, he just you know just uh, was great great at, uh, anything to do with, uh, the green thumb, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the, our house, uh, on the street growing up was always, you know, full of flowers. Uh, so anybody drove down the street, um, my parents would always have, 
beautiful flowers uh, all around front of the property and, and a big garden in the back. And we always had lots of tomatoes to feed, not only our family, but everybody else's family <laughs> out there. So, you know, that's just the way it is. So, but it was, uh, it was good. Yeah, really good. That's a great legacy and, and obviously a great individual raising you and a bunch of other kids and uh, all the great uh, grandkids and now great grandkids for, uh, for your mom too. Uh, so let's move exactly. on to some, some real estate related info because there is still a lot of gloom and doom talk about where housing prices are heading. Some economists say that the drop is going to continue to be in the double digits and some are expecting even a, a 20 or 25 percent drop. Uh, you have some stats from uh, Hamilton, Niagara, Burlington in regards to some big price drops over the last few months. What are you looking at? Yeah, so they're saying that um, that real estate is going to drop. So the uh, economists are saying that, you know, that they believe that it's going to drop, uh, was it 24% or something like that mm-hmm. now? Are, and they're talking, they're saying it's, you know, uh, you know, like Desjardins Group's forecast, home prices in Ontario will fall by 24% between the market peak la- this past February and at the end of next year. Such a drop could see home prices decline by more than 320000 in the greater Toronto area. Now, we've already had more than a 24% drop since February like in the height of, of, of things. For instance, in, uh, in Burlington, since February till now, the full August numbers aren't in. They're not in, but, but the, numbers, the, the numbers will be pretty close within a half a point. So they're down 33%. So in, uh, in February, the average sale price in February in Burlington was 1390000 Well, right now it's $1,000,000 and 42,000. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's actually, you know, dropped 33%. They, they have the biggest drop because it's a more expensive area. Now, uh, Hamilton uh, had a 30% drop. As, as you can see, there's uh, in, in February was a million 21,000 was the average sale price. Now we're down at 785,000. So it was a 30% drop. So we already uh, did a pretty well drop and, and Niagara had a 24% drop. Uh, since uh, February, so I I I don't know. I, I think we're pretty close to where it's landed, uh, Rick. Like for you know what I mean. Like I I, I think the uh, the price drops from uh, even July to um, uh, August is, is not as much as it has been in the pr- the prior three three months. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like May, June, and July. Um, they. It's hard to tell. There's another uh, uh, interest rate uh, announcement on, I think, the 7th yep. of, of uh, September, yep. which we'll see uh, this coming this coming week. And uh, so I, it, it's hard to tell, but I, I think we've pretty well landed pretty close to the bottom uh, when it comes to uh, falling prices. And, it, and every economist is going to say, you know, they, they're going to have their opinion but they're going based on information they, they receive and they don't have the August information yet. I I'm, I'm in the August information. So this, so I have information now that they're, they'll get in a week from now or two weeks from now. So, mm-hmm. uh, so if they're predicting that it, it, they're going to say, well, it, it surpassed it already. Now, is it going to continue to next year? It's hard to tell. I think we'll flatline. Uh, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to uh, 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 with with the housing prices, I think you know, uh, I think the people that have to sell 
um, we'll end up having to negotiate, uh, you know, you know what the market value is. Like, like we, I've seen, we, we got a, a listing the other day in Burlington. They were listed at 1.8 million. Um, and we, and we listed it at 1 million 400,000. So <laughs> that's a huge drop, yeah. but the original price, but they, they missed the market when they, uh, in the early, late spring in the, in the late spring. But it, uh, but anyway, it just, uh, it, 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 uh, that's where all the adjustments are happening right now. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about bargaining power, and that has uh, changed over the last little while in real estate. And what happens when a real estate deal goes down the drain? Who gets the deposit? We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Gulfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Sanford with Rob Golfie, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. You can call the first ever real estate team in Hamilton's history to sell 1,000 homes in a year at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. Online, robgolfie.com is where you want to go to to search for your next home or put your home on the market. That website again, robgolfie.com. Follow the Golfie team on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. And if you want an instant home estimate, go to golfiehomevalue.com. That website address again, golfiehomevalue.com. And if you have a topic idea or a question for the Golfie team that you would like to address on a future program, send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. That's questions at robgolfie.com. Bargaining power wasn't too long ago where sellers had all the bargaining chips. Now, not so much. So how has this new reality uh, taken effect here in Hamilton? It has. It, it's definitely switched hands. So never never uh, always uh, be so confident forever. But, the, <laughs> uh, the, you, know, you know, when everybody's just, you know, running around and saying everything's great, but it always turns. So it is. The, the, uh, the bargaining chips are with, the uh, the buyers, uh, I'd say probably ninety to ninety five percent right now. There there have been deals. Uh, just one, we were in competition in Ancaster uh, just recently. I think there's uh, I think two or three offers. We did get the offer. Uh, one of our agents did get the offer on this property. And uh, but yeah, it uh, it, it is it is uh, a buyer's market and. And, and, and the problem right now is that we got half of the listings out there that are overpriced and they haven't adjusted to the market price yet. 
So those people are, you know, hopeful thinkers thinking that they'll get that and it's not going to happen. Um, just, you know, uh, we just, we just had one person that we just said, no, we're not, we're not going to take the listings. It just way too out of, out of just, it's just too much uh, of a difference in price. But in saying that the sellers eventually will catch up. And, and once we have six months of, of the new pricing under our belt, uh, interest rates under our belt, and it'll just, people will just understand after that. Um, I mean, days on market has increased quite a bit since, uh, before maybe about, uh, I think we're about 29 days or something like that on the market. And, uh, a lot of expireds are coming up the pipeline right now. A lot of houses going off the market uh, and new houses going on the market. So as September comes in, you will see more houses on the market that will be priced more accurately and you'll see the sales start happening. The buyers are out there. They're out there, but they're not buying an overpriced house. That's what they're not doing. And uh, so they will buy, but it is a buyer's market. They are holding the cards. And, uh, and it's tough. It's tough. Mm -hmm. And it, this is where you have to do your job real good, you know, as a, as representing a, a seller, uh, in, uh, in any transaction right now. A recent survey from Realtor.com found that 92% of home sellers who sold within the last year had accepted some buyer-friendly terms. 41% had accepted some contingencies in the contract. So about a third of sellers dropped the price because the home didn't meet appraisal, and another third paid for some or all of the buyer's closing costs. 30% had to be flexible on the ideal timeline for closing, and 29% paid for repairs after the appraisal and get a load of this about 95 percent of the respondents to this survey from realtor.com who sold their home in the last month made some repairs or updates to their property before they listed it that's up from 71 percent of sellers who did the same before they sold six to 12 months ago and it, I, I recall the conversation not too long ago where you were suggesting forget about making any sort of repairs or updates just sell as is because it's going to go that's that sounds like it's no longer exactly. the case. Exactly. Oh yeah. I we would tell people, listen, don't waste your time. Uh, you know what? People are going to buy the house regardless. Yeah. Um. If if you waited two three months and trying to get everything done, it would have cost you more money in 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 the price that you sold your house for. Um. Uh, just trying to get things repaired. Um. It's it, it's knowing what the market's like. And a, like like a, a friend of mine in Guelph, um, he hired uh, a realtor out there and. The realtor in this hot spring market said to update the bathrooms. And now I wish he told me that because I would have said, don't do it. Just get the house on the market because your house would have sold for the same price without doing those bathrooms. So he spent $50,000 on bathroom updates and, wow. and it cost him money. Now as a good, as a, an experienced realtor, uh, they would know not to do that. So, and he thought he was hiring an experienced realtor and, and it, it, it ended up costing money, ended up costing money. So he wasted the spring market renovating. And then once he was ready to go, he was, he was struggling and selling his house and it, and it, and it was pretty frustrating. He was really upset and it, you just got to be careful. A lot of the agents on our, on our team, uh, they call me all the time, Rob, uh, what should I do? Here's the situation. And I tell them straight out. But one thing is they have access to me 24 seven. Uh, I usually just say, okay, here's the situation. Here's what you do. How's this look? How's that look? Take some pictures. Here's the anything to do negotiations, listing, uh, strategies, everything. 
I, I, I'm involved in everything. And so that we have the experience to get that house sold. Um, a lot of times, a lot of agents don't have that. They don't have, uh, they, you know, I'll tell you a 10 year veteran agent out there that, you know, I'm not, you know, let's say they sold maybe six to eight homes a year, uh, and 10 years in the business, an agent on my team that's been on my team for two years will have more experience than that agent. And it's just not, that two, for two reasons. One, they have access to me. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, we, we train, we have a mastermind every Monday morning now. We've been doing this, I don't know how long, but uh, we talk about situations. Everybody comes, talks to me. We, do, uh, we get together and talk about different listings. Um, you know, what should we price this at? What should we price that at? And we, we discuss it all the time. So it, it's so, it's so informative. It's so, so good for the agents. They just love it. They won't, they won't get that anywhere else, but with us, they'll get that. But with us, they'll get the experience. And, and that's, and that's, that's the thing you have to know is, is know when to move. It's like, it's a chess game. It's a chess game out there knowing what's going on in, in the market. If you want to sell your home or you are in the market to buy a house, call Hamilton, Burlington, and Niagara's top real estate team, the Golfie team, at 905-575-7700, online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I dot com. Let's talk about real estate deposits, because over the last little while, there's been a surge in the number of buyers pulling out of their deals to purchase homes for one reason or another. Number one, have you seen this surge of people pulling out and number two what does happen to the deposit it, it this is one of the things i don't like about this business i'm in because it, it defeats the purpose of the deposit and it is it, you know they say um buyers are holding the sellers hostage so in order so for instance you put an offer on a house and you uh, say, okay, I'm buying your house for a million dollars. I'm putting a $200,000 deposit. No problem. We accept uh, the terms and everything on this, on this house. Okay. So the house sold for a million, $200,000 deposit goes into the trust account of the, uh, the real estate, the brokerage account stays there. Closing day comes up. Buyer doesn't want to close. Shouldn't the deposit go directly to the seller? That's what everybody thinks. It mm-hmm. doesn't happen. You need to mutually agree to sign to, to separate your, each other from that deal in order to do that, to get the deposit. So now the buyer can say, no, I'm not signing that. I'm not signing that. Now you can't sell the house to somebody else because you've got them tied up with this, even though you haven't closed. Mm-hmm. So now you got to, so you've got to negotiate to get that deposit to yourself saying, Hey, if you don't sign this thing and we sell this house for a lot less, we're going to sue you for the difference if, if our house sells for a lot less than what you guys paid for it. Now, it, it, it's a total negotiation thing. It's a scare tactic that you have to go to them. It, I think it's ridiculous. I, 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 cr- I came up with a, a clause, and, I, and I've used it a few times. I haven't used it, but we're going to be using it more and more now just because people have been walking away from deals that they bought earlier this year, and now they're closing, and, you know, and, they're, and they're walking away, and they're making people's lives miserable. So this is, this is what I had my lawyer put up together. And, and, and this is, I put on a schedule B. It is understood and irrevocably agreed by the buyer that should this transaction not close on time as scheduled pursuant to the terms of this agreement of purchase and sale, the deposit as paid by the buyer shall be forfeited in its entirety without claim as to 
the return of any portion thereof. And this shall also constitute the buyer's irrevocable direction to the holder of the said deposit to release and pay the said deposit to the seller or he or she may so otherwise direct without the necessity of a mutual release signed by either party. So basically you don't close that. I have the authority to give that deposit to the, to the seller so he can move on and Mm -hmm. get that house sold to somebody else. And then, and, and and still the buyer still may get sued if, if, if the, if there is a shortage, this buyer still may get sued. So, and so when you say, so when you, when you say a shortage, say the, the home seller has their house up for a million bucks, the buyer comes in and says, okay, here's my 10% deposit, then doesn't close. Uh, you know, a few months have obviously gone by. That home seller now in a different market is forced to sell that home for 900000 Not only does that buyer not get their deposit back, but they could be sued for that $100,000 gap. Is that basically what you're saying? That's right. Yeah. And let's say it sells for eight fifty. There's a $150,000 uh, drop in the price from what the, the first buyer bought, paid for. Mm-hmm. Now, we only have a $100,000 deposit. He still can go after him for the other fifty. He still can, but the but the way it is set up now, it's terrible. I, I I never liked it ever since I got into this business. I think it's totally wrong, and I can't believe they haven't changed this. You don't close, you don't get your deposit, and and the seller should have still the right to sue you uh, for the difference if there's a shortfall uh, on on the sale of when the second guy comes in, and it, it's just. It, it, it's terrible. Like mutual releases are, are, are dangerous things. Uh, I'm reading this article. It says sellers are sometimes pushed into assigning a mutual lease without legal advice. And that's another thing. So a lot of agents don't understand. They think, Oh, there's a mutual release and we're going to separate here. But now who gets the deposit? Now the buyer is going to want his deposit back. Like he thinks, you know, but a smart and good agents out there were, are going to say, no way you're going to get this deposit back. Mm-hmm. But also, if you have a smart agent representing the buyer, you say, well, we're not going to sign this unless you give us our deposit back. So it's kind of like, it's terrible. It, it, it's terrible. So um, it, it, it's, it's a tough situation. They got to change the law on that, on that situation where you, you know, you both parties have to agree. Well, both parties never going to agree, but the only, but you have to sign it. If you want to sell the house to somebody else, you have to sign that mutual release to sell the house to somebody else. So now the, the first buyer that's walking away saying, well, hey, hey, I, I'm tied to you. You want to sell that house to somebody else? Give me my deposit back and then you're free and clear. Now you can't sue them. When you sign that mutual release, that mutual release um, uh, stops you from able to sue that person because you signed a, a, an agreement to mutually be apart from this deal. Let's move on to uh, another topic, and this is about private lenders. We know that uh, they have become more and more popular as the prices of homes have gone up, so much so that the Financial Services Regulatory Authority of Ontario, the FSRA, which is an independent regulatory agency created to improve consumer and pension plan beneficiary protections in this province and regulate sectors, Uh, says that the value of mortgages by private and alternative lenders has increased from $13 billion in 2019 to $22.4 billion last year. And the number of mortgages rose from 30,400 and change in 2019 to more than 36,000 in 2021. Um, Are are we going to see more and more private lenders come to the fore or have we kind of made that climb to the summit and that was kind of the peak? 
You know, uh, private lenders will always be there. And the thing about private lenders is they're easier to deal with than the banks. And, um, but the interest rates are higher. Mm. Um, and it, it, they're, they're a lot higher, but it's a lot easier. So sometimes maybe a bank says, you know what, we can't uh, deal with it. You need a, another year to get your credit rating cleaned up or two years or whatever. So people will go to a private lender and even though they're going to pay more money for interest, they will get the property they want. A lot of small builders, a lot of business people use private lending to, to get what they want. And a lot of, and, and people get rich from it. Like you're thinking, okay, wow, that's a lot of, that's a high interest rate. Like, you know, people are paying second mortgages, uh, first mortgages, eight to 10%, hmm. second mortgages, 14 to 15%. And you're thinking, whoa, are you kidding me? But people are, people are. And, but you know what? They're buying properties. They're, they're building wealth with it. Uh, some other people can't buy. Uh, some people have bad credit ratings. They need to do private lending for a few years to, to uh, able to afford the house or to buy the house. Um, and the great thing about private lending is sometimes people know the lender and they say, Hey, listen, I need to borrow. I want to borrow to get a mortgage on this property. And they say, okay, you know, let's check. Uh, I, and you know, they'll tell them my credit rating is not good, but they'll say, okay, no problem. We'll give you the mortgage here. You're, you're putting this much money down. It, it's not like the whole formality, like, like the banks do. Like they put all this, they ask for everything, you know, the kitchen sink, your kids, <laughs> everything, you know, but, uh, but with private lending, um, I know business people be, get wealthy because it's easier to borrow. And a lot of people that have a tough time on their credit bureau, uh, private lending has helped them, but they're paying a higher interest rate, but it's just short term, but they actually get to own the house they live in. They don't have to rent and worry about being kicked out because somebody's because the landlord sold the house and they have to go someplace else. That's the great thing about private lending. I know one guy, he had uh, a property we were looking at and he was going through all this stuff with, uh, and he was a business person and, uh, and he had all the, he was looking at buying a house and on this property, he was able to put his trucks and he was a landscape company. And, and he just said, uh, um, the, uh, I said, I can get you private lending and you can get that approval right away because the banks were giving him a hard time. I had great income. I had lots of money coming in, but, it, it, it's tough when you're a business owner, you have a tough time getting mortgages with the banks. All right. We're going to go. When we come back, we're going to talk about getting a survey and a story about a renovation that and more coming up here on the Golfy real estate show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Home. We're going home. 
Welcome back to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin here. Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team, joining us once again. You can find them online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G O L F I.com. Follow the Golfy team on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales, 905 575 7700. That's 905 575 7700. Don't forget, Golfy gets it sold. And for an instant home estimate, go online to golfyhomevalue.com. That website address again, golfyhomevalue.com. And if you have a topic idea or a question you'd like to send to the Golfy team, send them an email questions at robgolfy.com. Getting a survey. Fewer and fewer people, I would assume, are getting a survey as they move into their new home. But um, are, are you suggesting that more or everyone buying a home should get a survey? It depends where the property is and how old the property is. I think surveys are important. I know we have uh, uh, the insurance, uh, uh, titles insurance. Mm-hmm. Now, title, but I'll, I'll get into titles insurance, but a survey, when you have a survey, it shows your property lines where your house sits on in the property. Now, if, if, you have that, you know exactly what you own, you know exactly where the, where the house is. Now, in cottage countries, you need a survey because cottages were built anywhere and, and it could be on the neighbor's property line and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, uh, so in Grimsby, um, there's, uh, in Grimsby, the beach area. And if people have been down uh, towards the end of, uh, it's Bartlett, uh, if you, uh, towards the lake, there's an area there where all the gingerbread looking houses, uh, you might've seen that on, yep. on, uh, the, the news at one time or another. Now, all those houses were cottages. Now Grimsby on the beach was a destination in the early 1900s, just like Wasaga beaches. Now, a lot, there's a lot of problems down there, especially where these houses are sitting on. So if I was buying a house there, I would get a survey and to make sure that I can get financing for this. Now, banks, don't care anymore because there's titles insurance and titles insurance. What they do is they guarantee that uh, if there's a problem on title with the survey, they'll try to adjust it. Now there was a story here where a guy, uh, I guess he thought that his driveway was his driveway, but it was a sidewalk. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his driveway. Yeah. So, um, so basically he, he doesn't own a driveway. Now titles insurance will, Say to him, say, you know, because of this, you know, we'll give you money to compensate for that. But you still don't have a driveway. Now, the next buyer that buys it, you have to disclose that you don't have a driveway. It's a sidewalk, even though you're using it as a driveway. So now that's going to change the price of your house on the resale end of it. So once you find there's a problem and you own the house, you have to disclose it to the next buyer. So Having a survey, especially on properties that were built in the early 1900s that are in kind of like beach area, country places, you should get a survey on it. You know, um, there's, there's so many situations don't depend on titles insurance, titles insurance, they'll rec- they'll try to rectify it and compensate you, but they're not, but, but you're not going to, uh, they can't fix the problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they, so surveys are very, very important uh, to have. 
Sounds like it. There was another story, too, a little later on in the article about a woman who bought a cottage on Georgian Bay, but 95% of the building, there was no title on, on the uh, on the property, 95% of the building was sitting on the township land, and she was unable to purchase the property at the, at the end of the day and then lost at trial. So it was a double whammy for this individual. So, yeah, surveys are massively important. They are, especially especially country properties. There, another another spot up in the country in uh, in West Lincoln, I think there was there was a lot of land sold, but there was no way to get to it because there was pro- everybody owned land around it. So so uh, so so some of these properties they had a right of way to go onto that uh, land that didn't have access to. So a survey would have indicated that. Uh, maybe another farmer has the right of way on your property to, to access that land. So a survey would indicate that. But now if a realtor shows up and says, Oh yeah, this is your property line. Boom, boom. You know, you got, you know, 200 feet by this way, 200 feet or whatever. It's two, three acres. And he doesn't know if there's a, a right of way on it or not. And the guy in the middle that has that land probably hasn't touched it in 20 years. And all of a sudden one day he wakes up, he says, you know, what? I better do something with that land. I'm going to, you know, rent it to a farmer and he wants to put uh, corn on there. Well, that farmer needs to get access to that property. And chances are one of those properties that surrounds that land has got uh, access to it through some kind of deed. So that's what a survey would, would help. And you need, you need to get surveys are very important, especially, you know, country properties, cottage areas, all that kind of stuff. When we come back, a uh, story about my friend who was renovicted, but the story gets much worse than that. That's next here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. One last go round here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. My name is Rick Samprin. Pleased to be joined once again by Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team. Find them on robgolfy.com. That's Rob G O L F I.com. Call the first ever real estate team in Hamilton to sell 1,000 homes in a year, 905 575 7700. And you can follow the Golfy team on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. I have a story about a friend of mine who ran into a renter's nightmare on two sides this summer. Let's call him Monty. I don't want to use his real name. Monty, gotcha. Monty rented out his home to a couple and their two kids. All the while, he was renting out a place for himself so he could be a little closer to his family. Monty's landlord gave him notice that he was going to renovate the home and Monty was going to have to move. So the typical renovation. Problem was, the family that Monty was renting his home to refused to leave his home. And to make matters worse, the family hasn't paid Monty any rent since April. So here's the double whammy. Now, adding adds, uh, insult to injury, the couple got married this summer. They spent their honeymoon in Jamaica. 
They drive a Mercedes, so it sounds like they could have paid at least some of the rent. The family is scheduled to move out this weekend, finally. But Monty is on the hook for lost money, lawyer's fees, yada, yada, yada. Rob, what do you make of the scenario, and are we seeing more of these kinds of stories? You're not going to believe this. I just had a lady call me about the same type of situation. Wow. And they went to the to the landlord-tenant board, and the, the owner of this house is moving in, and she wants to renovate it to, for herself. And the, and the landlord-tenant board denied her. They said, well, we don't believe that you're going to move in. And she said, what are you talking about? I own this house. If I don't move in, you can find me. There's a fine for people that don't that lie to you. I am the owner. I'm moving in. Wow. And they denied her. So now she has to appeal it. Like it, it is, it, It's happening everywhere, and it is tough. And it, it's getting scary out there to be a, a, a landlord, especially if, uh, if you own a house and you want to uh, sell it or you want to rent it. We just, I just went through a situation. I'll tell you, uh, it took oh, negotiating. Like, like once we've made the deal, then a month later we had to renegotiate, retalk because there was a tenant in there that needed to move out and the people wanted to move in. And it was just, I, I'll, I'll tell you, Rick, it was probably the most difficult deal that I had to close and, and it did close just this past week on the, on the Monday it closed hmm. and it was just frustrating. So she's not the only one uh, that is struggling to go through this uh, and, and all the time and the money and everything like she can go after them, but it's just, it's just cost of being a landlord sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I thought of was how, how are you able to stay in a place and not pay rent for four months and, and not get the boot? Yeah, well, that's that's the landlord tenant act for yeah. you. They just make it easy for them. So, but it just it's it's it, it is tough and it's frustrating. And uh, but you know what? It it's you know nothing you can do about it. You just got to go through all the channels to slowly get them out. That's the only way. And that's sometimes tough. it takes longer on some than others. And and it's it is a frustrating situation, especially especially for landlords that are just a, a one-time, like one-house landlord. Mm-hmm. Like they're not like multiple residentials, but it's just a one-time and it puts a really bad taste in their mouth. And, and, and they'll never go back into the market and buy a house as investment property ever again. So really it's a, a cautionary tale if you want to enter the world of landlords and tenants, especially from the landlord oh, point yeah. of view. Oh yeah, I've had I've, I got stories I could tell. I'll tell you that I've got <laughs> we'll, lots of stories. We'll save them for and, another. I bit. mean, it, it, m- most people do if they own multiple uh, properties. You can listen to our show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfy Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. That's it for us. Another fantastic show, Rob. And thank you for listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show. We're back next Saturday at nine on nine hundred CHML. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.